Thank you for being here tonight. I'm very excited to welcome, uh, to do a warm welcome to the artists with that this year won the Ritzau Art Prize uh, called Miha Seraf. It has been wonderful to collaborate with the ISCP and Tau Kritzau Innovative Philanthropy for a second year in a row and to award the prize. Miha, congratulations. This is an Thank outstanding achievement. So I am <laughs> for the people who don't know me, I'm Touria Al-Glaoui. I'm the founding director of 154 Contemporary African Art Fair. I'm pleased to be here today tonight with the founder of the award, Colleen Ritzau Lett. Colleen is a specialist in museum, cultural affairs, and international relations, and has worked internationally with government and cultural organization. Together with Robin Tauk, a philanthropist and business leader, Tauk Ritzo Innovative Philanthropy invests in individual and organization creating bold and daring cultural responses to today's challenges. I will now hand it over to Colleen as she introduces you, our wonderful, our wonderful speakers this evening. Thank you, Teresa. Pauline, you're on mute. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Teresa, so much. Um, I just wanted to congratulate you and your entire team on uh, producing not one, but three hybrid fairs over the past year in such an unprecedented uh, context. And so we all appreciate the work you're doing and are very excited about this week online in New York, especially. Um, so I'm, my name is Colleen Ritzau-Lett and uh, I'm executive director of Talk Ritzau Innovative Philanthropy and founder of the Ritzau Art Prize, which we began about two years ago now with two recipients. I'm very pleased um, to be introducing the 2021 Ritzau Art Prize recipient, South Africa-based photographer, Mitha Saraf. Mitha fled Zimbabwe as a child and today lives and works in Cape Town, South Africa. Uh, their intimate yet piercing photographs are made with great sensitivity and delve beautifully into issues of belonging, blackness, and masculinity. We had an opportunity to speak with Mitha prior to today's conversation about last week, and we're deeply moved by their desire to create fantastical and, as they said, soft and imaginative work that celebrates being soft despite the journey. Mitha was competitively selected this year by a wonderful jury of distinguished contemporary African art experts. We'd like to thank Natasha Becker, curator of African art at the De Young Museum in San Francisco, Armour Khalif, writer and director of collections and senior curator at the Sharjah Art Foundation, and Nana Tebeko Natombala, curator and head of department of the history of art at the Witz School of Arts in Johannesburg. We are very thrilled that Nitha will travel to New York City, to Brooklyn this fall, um, October it is, experiencing the community of artists and practitioners at the International Studio and Curatorial Program, ISCP, as well as the greater arts community here, which has been tremendously resilient and um, which welcomes them with open arms. So Nitha, I look forward to meeting you in person and working with you and ISCP uh, later this year. It's a tremendously exciting for us at Taukritso Innovative Philanthropy and me especially um, to be working with Turia and her team on this prize. It's, um, we hope, enabling um, extraordinary artists to garner more global visibility and exposure, professional development and career enhancing residencies. Um, Africa, as everyone knows, enjoys a very vibrant, healthy, and expansive contemporary art scene, but there is limited funding for residencies in particular and infrastructure to provide local artists um, with career development opportunities and international exchange. So um, on behalf of TRIP, we'd just like to thank everybody for helping us to address this issue since 2017 with the founding of the prize and for promoting promising artists from the African continent. With that said, I'd like to hand it over now to the host of today's talk, um, Mio Makofa of the Nelson Mandela Foundation and Tamitha, who we look forward to hearing from. Thank you very much. Thank you. Hi, everybody. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, depending on where you are in the world. <laughs> hey, no. Hello, hello. I'm in South Africa with Micha, and it's interesting because like I'm looking at all of the other speakers and how like everyone's like just like wearing really easy outfits and like flowing. And I'm like, wow, it must be so warm where you are. <laughs> 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 like, 
<laughs> we're experiencing our mild, very mild Cape Town semi-winter. <laughs> that's the thing about, um, about autumn is that for me, I, I, I always get the sense that autumn gives you the license to be beautiful. Do you get what I mean? <laughs> In autumn, you can wear the scarves and gloves and you know what I mean? You can really, really embellish it. But um, I'm really excited to talk to you. You, you are um, such an incredible artist, um, such, a, such an exciting photographer and so deep and warm. No. Um, and it's such an honor and such a pleasure uh, to be able to talk to you in front of people. <laughs> <laughs> this is really exciting. <laughs> okay, cool. Let's jump right in, you know. So tell us about your deepest trauma. <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm kidding, I'm um, kidding. I've got a catalog of work that you can look through. Um, <laughs> and... <laughs> so so um, I've, I've known you for a while. Um, and... In talking to you, what's always struck me is the, how it pains you to talk about where you come from. Um, and that's always been something interesting to me because I, I don't know, I think just like witnessing how you exist in the world, um, witnessing and being a, a, you know, a witness to your work, um, it's such a, an urgent question, you know? Where do you come from and why is it so difficult to talk about? Uh, I think I think it's difficult. I think it's a very difficult question to answer. Um, and I think that it's a question that I get asked more often than any other question um, is, where are you from? And then if I had to answer that question by saying um, Cape Town, for example, um, which is the answer that I often give because it, it kind of um, defers a lot of potential for uh, a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of potential for xenophobia, I guess, in South Africa. And so I think that answering that question, the first answer that I give to that question, uh, where are you from, is Cape Town, if I'm in South Africa. And then if people, it feels almost as if people push further to ask me, but where are you really from? Um, my answer to that question, if it is a safe space or if it, if it feels kind of safe, then would be to say I'm from Zimbabwe and if the person is from Zimbabwe I will answer that question uh, more in depth but there are also times when the question where are you really from extends further than my answer of Zimbabwe and I mm -hmm. think that it's a difficult question to answer because I think most of the journey with my work is in, fa is, is in fact a discovery or some sort of a journey towards discovering where I'm from. Um, and I think it's a, again, it's a, I think it's a difficult question because um, I come from, I come from a line of, I come from a line of runners, I would say. Um, my father's, my father's people fled from Spain, from, fled the Spanish, fled from the Spanish Inquisition in Spain uh, and then moved down to Morocco, where he was born. Um, he was born in Marrakesh, in Morocco. And then, when he was a when he was a young child, him and his family fled from Morocco to France. Um, and then he lived in he stayed in a refugee camp in France for a little bit. Um, on my mother's side, her her paternal grandparents fled from Europe at some point, and then my immediate family and I fled from Zim. So I think that. It's a difficult question because I guess it's quite challenging trying to fit that all into the answer of, I guess, just down the road. Um, <laughs> but yes, and then I think that all of those, um, all of those various origin stories have mm. their own origin stories. And so I guess I'm still trying to navigate where exactly or what exactly um, I am or where I'm from. I think what's so interesting about that is how, um, at least for me, what, it, what, what your story kind of really brings to mind is how fluid um, and constructed um, identity um, and, and notions of origin are, you know, um, it's always negotiated based on who are you talking to, 
what's important and what's safe at this time, you know what I mean? And how oftentimes, you know, some people will, will trace their lineage back multiple generations because that they feel more at home with a particular space or notion of a space. Um, and some people kind of describe where they feel most at home in a, in a kind of a working way, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, that's really interesting. Tell, tell us, <laughs> it's so interesting. I'm kind of split between saying, tell us, and then asking you as like, now. <laughs> yeah. Um, what was it like growing in Zim? I think that, um, so I was born in South Africa and I think Zimbabwe always existed as this, you know, infamous space, you know? Um, and over and above the kind of xenophobic sentiments and really kind of really damaging notions and dangerous notions as well and stereotypes. Um, on the other side of that is this notion of Zimbabwe as the breadbasket of Africa kind of harping on history, you know? Um, and so it's really difficult to place Zimbabwe. So, so from, from, from your experiences and I'm not talking on behalf of anybody else other than you, um, what do you remember? What was home like? Or rather, let me say, what was Zimbabwe like? <laughs> what was home like, but rather what was Zimbabwe like? Um, that, I should write that down, Can, but I think it's recorded. So, um, I, so Zim for me was, I would go so far as to say, almost close to paradise. Um, I think it was because, um, I think it was because my siblings and I were incredibly close and the, the experience that I had in Zim only became apparent to me um, upon arriving in South Africa and going to school in Cape Town. Um, and the thing about, I guess I'm gonna talk about, I guess I'm gonna talk about Zimbabwe in the only way that I know how to, and it would be in comparison, I think, to the way I've lived and experienced Cape Town. Um, and I think the most, I think the, the biggest difference about my life growing up in Zim and that of Cape Town is that in Cape Town or in South Africa rather, it's your identity is almost something that people don't allow you to forget. And I think in, in South Africa, you are constantly having to identify. Mm -hmm. And in Zim, when I, at least when I was growing up, there wasn't that pressure. Um, I had two best friends in Zimbabwe. I had my best friend, Tinashe Kamakudzi, and my other best friend, Jordan Grill. And um, my experiences with them were quite simple. It would be, I would go to Tinashe's house uh, and we'd collect eggs from the chickens in his small garden. And then I would go to Jordan's house and we would play with the toys that he had in his garden. And there would be no conversation about race and about class and about identity. And, sure. and then when I, and then upon arriving in, in, um, in Cape Town, I think that a lot of the conversations were based around where are you, who are you, um, where are you from? Uh, what, what makes up this person? And um, yes, and I think that I guess even in, in grade four in Cape Town, there was, there were still jokes that, or I guess there were still comments being made that I took as jokes um, about like how I came, how I came to be in South Africa, and if I came to be in South Africa um, by jumping the fence or climbing under the fence was a lot of the questions that I got in grade four, and so, and I think it was quite new to me because um, I had never really thought about these questions before, and. Um, a lot of like racial jokes that I, yeah, that were a bit strange. And I think that Zimbabwe had space, Zimbabwe made space for people to exist as they saw fit or as they felt comfortable to do so. But it also, again, I was like almost 10 years old when I left. So I think my idea of Zim may be coming from quite an idea, like idyllic, um, <laughs> naive space but then I guess also being thrown into South Africa at 10, 11, 12 um, mm. that sense of child that sense of childlikeness or, or naivete was almost not a almost non-existent even in 
my age group at um, upon arriving in Cape Town. And I think that that was something that was quite jarring to me was just that very big difference in, in and how like, I guess, apartheid and post-apartheid had, um, had a drip down effect into the children that I was going to school with. Um, just a note to our guests and our attendees today, um, please won't you please share some, some of your questions as well in the chat. Um, there's, there's, yeah, we, we have the winner of the 2021 <laughs> <laughs> art prize. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyways, but um, I think the notion that you're raising is actually quite an interesting one. I think that it's something that I know we've had lots of conversations about, um, if not directly, then indirectly. And it's something that um, is difficult to notice when you're in it. You know what I mean? It's difficult to notice the water when you're swimming. And it's South Africa's kind of really um, obsessive um, fixation around identity markers and identitarianism and, 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 and otherwise. Um, and as you're saying, I think that, I think a lot of it has to do with apartheid and colonialism, right? And how, you know, racial laws were, were legislated and there was this huge kind of, you know, massive, massive currency on, on, on skin tone and skin texture and, and you know, hair texture and otherwise. Um, and I think it's also something that I know I've been reading into your work. <laughs> I'm so happy that you do. The meaning I am creating, um, kind of, I think when I, when I look at your work, oftentimes um, the subject is allowed to be adorned, you know? Um, there's a, a very kind of glorific, there's a glorification of the subject, I think has been said about your work. Um, and I think as you're kind of describing moving to South Africa and into Cape Town in particular, kind of raising those stakes of, okay, cool, identity matters. Do you wanna maybe comment on that? On, on the glorification of my subjects in my work relative yeah. to identity. I exactly. think, yeah, um, I think that, I think that it's just sorely lacking um, in the representation that exists in, in South Africa. And I suppose, I guess, in a lot of um, African, in a lot of African spaces, I think that, I think that we, I think that there's the opportunity um, with how, with globalization and with access um, and with the media, I think that there, we have an opportunity to create a parallel path um, where we can celebrate the diverse identities that we have um, and celebrate people for literally being just themselves. And a lot of the work that I, a lot of the photographs that I take are of, um, are of friends of mine, um, are of good friends of mine, like photographing even yourself um, in the past, um, in past series, um, I think is, I think is all part of um, what I'm trying to do. And I think that it's, I'm not trying to find models who are signed with agencies and models who are ready, who are being celebrated and who are being um, announced to the world as people worth seeing. And so I'd, and so most of what I do is try to find people that I can connect to and that I have connected to and have some sort of um, an emotional, um, I guess, connection again to, and, yeah. and to yeah. celebrate them. And to celebrate them for how beautiful I find them and how beautiful they are and to represent them and to give them a space that is eternal and that does recognize and acknowledge their identity and them as a person without mm -hmm. trying to create a space or trying to find people almost worth showing the world. Mm -hmm. um... So, it's interesting you use the word celebrate then my mind immediately went to sax magazine to Pembera. Pembera. <laughs> <laughs> okay um, do you have do you have that image actually i i do i do let me let me see if okay. i can look. but maybe for some context while i find it here um 
so 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 the University of Cape Town has this long-standing magazine that's been publishing since you know the 80s, um, the early 80s. Um, it's called Sax Appeal Magazine, and it raises funds for for um, the university's um, philanthropic kind of you know property or or, or you know leg. Um, so Micha, this Micha. The 2021 winner of the Ritzvau Art Prize. No. <laughs> I'm never going to get tired of saying that. I um, haven't even really fully managed to process it, so it's still a bit. <laughs> I'm like, so, who are you talking about? <laughs> Micha was the creative director of Saks Magazine 2017. Micha shot, or oh, actually, I actually I found it here. Um, Micha shot the cover of 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 that edition as well, which is just a stunning, stunning thing. And um, I think while we're looking at this image, let me ask you this. Um, would you consider your work political? I think that it's, it's easy to read in a kind of redeeming quality, you know what I mean, in your work. And, in, and, it's, and it's in particular, like you were saying, how you're choosing your subjects, you know? Um, oftentimes, um, at least many times in, in, in your works, are, are people who, I think in previous interviews, you, you, you've used the term peripheral identities or, or, or identities that are not considered to be at the center or, or not considered um, as, 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 as hegemonic, you know what I mean? Um, and this oftentimes racially comes down to, to, to blackness. Um, from a gender perspective, it comes down to queer people, you know what I mean? Gender queer and, 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 and people who are sexually queer. Um, yeah, yeah, it, 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 it's such a, for me, there's always a kind of, whew, remember, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, I think, yeah. so when we, okay, so just a little bit of context that Noah didn't provide. Um, so Noah was the creative, I was the editor-in-chief of this magazine. It's not about um, me. And then, <laughs> okay, but anyway, it's important. So I think with this magazine, um, I think since 2017, I guess my my work has been, consistent um consistently navigating and shedding a light on identities that exist on a media and social periphery um mm -hmm. otherwise because ultimately identity is identity and i don't think that peripheral identities necessarily exist but rather they exist on a periphery um of a mainstream media wow. or exists on the periphery of um, what we are being shown or what we are consuming every day. Um, and this, the cover of this magazine was, I think it was a very important stepping stone um, or a spark rather in the work that I'm doing today. Because when we did this magazine cover, we had a lot of backlash and a lot of resistance from the university. Um, and I think, yeah, and because we put a, a black, queer, non-binary person on the cover of Sax Appeal magazine. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that it's, I think that back then and still today, I think that almost is the point, is to get to a point where we are celebrating and representing and allowing people to see themselves exist on the covers of magazines and in spaces that matter. Mm -hmm. um, and so this, this issue, um, Pembera, which means celebrate in Shona, is ultimately, I guess, a, an overarching image to, that describes the direction of my work going forward. Can you explore some of those works? I think um, there's, there's, there's quite a few bodies that you've put together um, that I think are really, really exciting. And I think that really speak to, to um, your practice. Um, one of the notions that I've always been fascinated by in your work. Um, so I'm going to use the word focal length. I'm pretty sure it's not what I what it what it means. Actually, yeah, we'll work with it. Okay. I mean, I'll how try far it. are you from the subject? You know what I mean? Like how far? Okay. Is that just my, did, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just the, I, <laughs> just the distance I am from my subject. Sure, um, sure. Yeah. Mm. Um, would it? you like me to chat about the distance? Um, yeah, let me, let me, let me okay. find, I think, a, a telling image. Oh, yes, yes. So this is... This is find some... one of McDowell. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I found one here. 
um, and then and shape. Then... Yeah, but go for it. I mean, go for it. It'll come up when it comes up. I'd, I'm not sure what you're going to bring up. <laughs> I guess there's that. Oh, okay, wait. <laughs> this um, is a good example. I can't speak about this. You um, the one in the river. Okay, so you talk, I'll find it. Um, okay, wait, I need you to go back to that. Okay, wait, wait, you, you're sharing screen, by the way. Boo. Oh, am I? Well, now it's back on you, I think. Okay. Okay, but, but go for it. I, I think I found the one with, with, with um, my quarry in the, in, the, in the river. In the quarry. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, so I think, so the distance that I, the distance between myself and my subject in my photographs is actually quite a, that's quite an interesting question. Um, I think, okay, yes. I think that um, ultimately the, my attempt is to create something that is almost enigmatic and um, still kind of candid where the distance between myself and the subject allows for there to be context around the subject that is just enough for the viewer to understand where the subject is, but also not enough information for the viewer to understand where the subject is. And I think that the, the feeling of being able to understand opens up the possibility and the potential for this, the viewer to feel something and to relate. And then it being just not wide enough or apparent enough to understand fully where this subject is, allows the viewer to understand how I feel personally. And so there is, I think that there's a an important conversation between understanding what you're seeing and understanding what I'm seeing. And in this photograph, there are a lot of people in, this photograph was taken in, in Cape Town. And there are a lot of people who look at this image who identify as Cape Townian, who are unable to recognize the space. And I think that that's ultimately indicative of my journey in South Africa and in Cape Town is that I've seen every space and I understand it and I'm able to recognize them, but there's this almost paradoxical feeling of it being still, it's still being foreign and it's still being a space that I need to try and impart meaning on with all although also not really being able to, it's quite a surreal experience. And I think being able to see this image and understand that they're in a body of water also allows the, the viewer to think, where is the photographer in this image? And in this image, I'm in the water as well. And which puts the viewer in the water as well. Mm. And I think that, um, that it kind of allows for, it kind of removes the frame of the image and allows for like a boundless, um, an expressive, uh, I've lost the words, but I mean, just abil the ability to, to see past the borders of the image and to try and imagine the rest of the space. There's so many like really quotable um, notes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to really quote this notion of soft despite the journey. Oh my goodness. I think that was, that was really quite a, really quite a telling um, string of words from, 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 from you, well, from Colleen quoting you. You've also spoken about, about um, ways of seeing, I think for, for, for often actually, um, there was a book that you loved referencing um, very early on um, while you were at Michaelis. Maybe tell us about your experience at Michaelis, um, um, which is um, the, the fine arts school at the University of Cape Town, where, where we actually, well, that's, that's where you were when I met you. Um, what compelled you to, to go to art school? What did your family say? What did your mother say? Because I can imagine <laughs> an African child wants to go to art, art school. You want to go to art school, eh? You want to go to art school. <laughs> so um, I think, okay, so it was, I think that's also a, a very interesting question. Um, I think, so leaving Zim was hard. And um, I think that there were a lot of, I think there were, and I think there were an abundance of challenges and difficulties that came from, um, from leaving Zim. And one of those, of course, was um, there was quite a big financial burden on 
trying to start, trying to leave Zim and trying to start again in Cape Town from um, almost from the beginning. And so there was, there was, a, there was a big element um, to my decision of studying at Michaelis that, that where I felt irresponsible and I felt um, quite selfish in, in so studying, in going into studying fine art. Um, and I think that, so the, what the Ritzau, what winning the Ritzau Art Prize meant for me personally was that I was, I felt almost as if I was gifted the, I was gifted the ability to reward my family for the support that they've shown me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is possibly one of the, the biggest, one of the most important things for me personally about winning the Ritzau Art Prize. And I think that the, the support that I've had from my mother, my brother, my sister have been, has been incredible. Um, and I, one of the reasons why I chose, one of the reasons why I chose to do photography at Michaelis um, was because there was, if I had to think about it, photography at that age when I was 18 seemed to be the most financially viable option. And when I took up photography and I later on realized that it was something that I really enjoyed doing, it was first because I had to focus on choosing a medium and choosing a direction that meant financial sustainability. And I think that there is a lot of, I think that there is a lot of that um, in this country and in, on this continent and in the world where people are making decisions um, based on things that they have to prioritize first. Um, and I'm just really lucky and privileged enough to have had a family who are willing to work 10 times harder to allow me to create my own direction and to find my own path. Remember this one time your mom saying, to thine own self be true, and I will <laughs> never, ever, <laughs> I think, yeah. I think from your mom in particular, um, yeah, yeah, which is such a an abundant human being. You get what I mean? Yes. Yeah, my stands yeah. life um, being alive. You know? Yes. When I when I went into first year at art school, um, my mother said, "I believe that you will make this work because you believe that you will make this work." And wow, I think that attempt. I think that going into the world with the attitude of an abundance mm. has has come from has come from her. I want to talk about your your ingenuity, how you're kind of, it's better to ask for forgiveness than to ask for permission. (laughs) When it comes to shooting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I want to share this image um, of Kopano Ratele that you shot. Um, I suppose for some context, Kopano Ratele is, is 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 a professor and a doctor of psychology, and he writes about... South African masculinities, he writes about violence, he, he explores kind of psychosocial well-being, um, 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 at least of this country, if, if not the world. He's also just recently written that book, The World Looks Like This From Here. And that string of words as well, for me, was really quite explosive as, um, in, in, in relation to this image. Do you want to talk to us about this image? Um. Yeah, so when so we were working, I think we were working with um, Dr. Kupano Ratele um, for a publication with I Africa, um, and this image it was it was quite a quite a powerful day because we had spent the day with with um, with Dr. Ratele, and at the end of the day we just going back to asking for forgiveness. We um, we spoke to Dr. Kupano Ratele at the very end of the day that we had with him. And asked him, "Would you mind us like shooting um, your portrait?" And then we kind of like were like, "Okay, you need to take off your shirt. We've got this whole idea." Um, and it was really beautiful that he that he allowed us and went with it. Um, in this photograph, uh, Dr. Kopano Ratele is posing wearing um, the book Moby Dick um, in I think it's in the original Dutch, um, and he's wearing it almost as 
some sort of an armor. Um, although it is paper thin, quite literally, there is some sort of idea of strength and resilience. Um, and I think that Moby Dick was quite an important choice to use for this portrait because um, I think it talks a lot about travel and the belly of the beast and um, mm. the importing of masculinities from um, colonial powers and the notions thereof um, and standards and masculine standards and colonial standards. And I think, and I think that we often wear these standards as some sort of a protection and some sort of a performance and some sort of a mm. camouflage as we go through the world um, mm. trying to uphold and meet these standards. Um, yeah, I, so I think that um, it was, yeah, I, this is one of my favorite photographs because I'm really, it's really moving for me that it's Dr. Kopano Ratele, who's one of the most prolific writers in South Africa on um, divergent masculinities. I think also, also what's moving about this is, is, so there was a comment from, from Mariama Aitai in, in, in the chat, and, it, and I'm gonna read it in, um, in full and verbatim. The, song, the Sankofa bird tells us that our past is always with us, for better or for worse. Mecha's response is a beautiful way of making this clear to see what the implications of this are. And I think when I look at this, you know what I mean? Um, it's, for me, it almost reads like um, the feathers of a bird, you know? And a bird whose flight is not across space, but across time and across dimensions. And it's really such a strong restatement of, of, of exactly what, what Mariama is saying, that the process, the process all is present. And I also love this notion of the, the Sankofa bird, which is, uh, I stand to be corrected, but I believe in um, Ghanaian folk um, is, is a bird that travels you know, into the past um, to retrieve a seed. Um, and travels again through time back to the present to plant that seed, which is such a wow. powerful metaphor, right? Yeah, that's um, really beautiful. Right, and, and, and the seed is taken as, as notions of, yes. of, of knowledge. But um, let's, let's explore some of your other works. I think <laughs> you're just such an exciting photographer. <laughs> you um, won there is... Pride Photo of the Year. You've done exciting things with Full Magazine. You've had exhibitions in more places in Europe than I knew existed. <laughs> <laughs> Um, um, there is a, I think been? there's, that, yeah, um, there, there is a, sorry, I will come back. To, I will come back to that, I promise. Um, there is a <laughs> comment also here um, that says, from your website, I see photographs that are stunning and also theatrical, but socially decontextualized. How did you come to that kind of artistic decision or approach? How do these stunning portraits play a role in relation to say photojournalism, which also seeks to represent the marginalized? Mm -hmm. um, okay, that is an, that is a really, really interesting question. Okay, so the way that I, the way that I try and approach work is that it remains true to a cause and true to exploring and representing and spotlighting identities that to, repre to represent the marginalized. But I'm trying to do it in a way that is less in, that is, intentionally less heavy and intentionally less painful. I think that we have seen so many images and so many bodies of work and so many exhibitions where misrepresented and marginalized people and undermined identities are being shown in a light that is almost requesting empathy or requesting pity or um, put, in, put in the light of requesting assistance and guidance and, and help. And I'm really, really not trying to um, continue that narrative. I think with the work that I'm trying to do, I'm trying to celebrate marginalized people. I'm trying to separate the misrepresented and undermined um, in a way that creates a parallel path to set a, set, to set a new standard, a new, set, a new standard of identity and a new standard of celebration. And I said, wow. I recently had an interview with Brent Jones where um, I answered his question, a similar question to this by saying that 
my life was hard. My life has not been stationary and my life has been often at oftentimes directed by consequences and circumstances rather than choices that I was, that we were able to make. And instead of looking at that as it being the absence of choice or the absence of security, I'm trying to celebrate it for the character that was built and the journey that was created. And I would like to um, create a parallel path where we can celebrate a new standard of being and a new standard of existing. This is my life. This is what I've come from. I'm stronger because of it. Mm. This is who I want to be. And this is where I'm going because of where I've come from. And so it's almost documentary in a way, but it's still fantastical Mm. and expressive and explosive in its own almost paradoxical way. Mm. I think what's also so fascinating about your work and in particular, it's how you talk about your work as well. I think that, um, I think there are many artists who, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I think writers as well is is the other issue, which I'll get, which I'll address in a different day entirely. <laughs> who's, who's, cool. um, in, in, in your work, there doesn't seem to be this impetus to be impressive. In how you talk about the work, about your work and your process and your practice and your life, there isn't this kind of, you know, expected, you know, hair flip of, you know, look at me, you know what I mean? There's such a, such a, a tender, a tenderness. There is such a vulnerability and a sincerity that really moves away from trying to be braggadocious or, you know, you know, moved by ego. Um, <laughs> I am seeing you smiling there. Um, yeah, yeah. How has that been? Because I think that, I sometimes worry about that, right? I think that the world is a difficult and hard place. And I think that you find I, a way of making your mark in this world without, you know, big billboards, you know, saying, look at how complicated and complex and big words and existential ontology and you, know, you get what I mean? Yeah, um, I, I think that, um, I think that you said it best um, when we were doing the, when we were doing the Sax Appeal magazine is that, um, we have nothing to lose and everything to prove. Um, and I think that I think that if we were trying to meet a standard of like, okay, so we fled Zim, now we're living here, now we're trying to create a life that is almost um, an attempt at forgetting the story, then it it will be and it'll be impossible to cry to create a new life from 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 scratch um, without ever with like in some sort of a denial for the past. And mm. I think that there are so many stories where people feel, where people feel ashamed or where people feel as if they don't want to share their backgrounds or the journeys that they've been on or where their parents have come from or why they are where they are, because it doesn't meet this ideal standard of, I was, we were born here and we lived here and then we kind of made our way. And instead of, I, yeah, again, I, instead of coming from a place where we're starting from, from negative and we're trying to make our way up to zero and then to start, I would like to flip that narrative and make, just kind of go in the, in the other direction. Be like, okay, cool. Um, what used to be like negative is now positive. And so we're actually, higher up mm. and it's just a different it's just a different way of of celebrating it mm. um yeah i hear you i think just just as a, as a reminder please keep the questions coming i think that um they've been really engaging this is that point um, in the evening where i push my coffee aside and i pull up wine, <laughs> Do you have your wine, wine next i don't have wine i've only got tea and it's cold now um <laughs> Am I alone? Am I alone? Yeah, you've just been making me talk this whole time. Um, <laughs> can we can we yeah. bring up the the image of of Enrico on the mountain? Mm, absolutely. Um, absolutely. I think that yeah, I think that this is um, 
I think that this is an important image um, for the direction that I'm going in with the work mm. that I'm thinking of doing at the, the work that I think that I'm, for the work that I'm going to be doing in the residency with the Ritzau um, Art Prize. And so this is an image, um, this is a photograph that I took in Cape Town. And the first thing that people ask me about this image is, this is such a beautiful location and I'm unable to recognize it. Where did you take this photograph? And I get that question a lot from um, South African people and people who are Cape Tonian. And I think, so the answer to that question is that this photograph was taken on Lion's Head. And Lion's Head, for those who may not know, is one of the most like iconic places in Cape Town and it's traveled to all the time and people hike up Lion's Head all the time. Um, the it's, it's the, yeah, it's the most, it's like one of the biggest tourist destinations. And it was quite challenging to take this photograph because I understood what I was going in to do, but wasn't that sure I was able to pull it off. And it's about, so I don't recognize South Africa as home. And I think that it's often because there are many factors that contribute to not allowing me to recognize it as home. And also um, it being this a, a sense of, a place that I don't feel as if I belong to. And what my intention was with this image was to create an image somewhere iconic and somewhere so well known in a way that made South African people or people who recognize this place feel a sense of disbelonging. The same mm -hmm. sense of disbelonging that I feel when I look at Lion's Head or when I feel, when I, or when I, how I feel when I walk through the city of Cape Town. And the work that I'd like to do with this residency is I'd like to create work that feels nostalgic for me in a country that I don't know and I've never explored. Um, mm -hmm. And that feels more nostalgic and relatable to other alien identities or identities who have been treated as such to feel a sense of, to create a new space that they're able to impart meaning on as opposed mm -hmm. to trying to impart new, in, as opposed to trying to impart personal meaning onto already existing and potentially painful spaces. Mm -hmm. um, and so shooting Lion's Head in a way that disconnected the viewer from the recognition and belonging that they felt for this space mm -hmm. is an attempt at edging a bit closer to mm -hmm. how I feel, I think. Let me ask you this. I think it may be a little bit of a the question from the answer you just gave. Um, what kind of, what kind of impact do you hope your work to have? Mm. I would like I would like my work to exist as a platform that allows people who feel alien and who feel as if they do exist on a media or mainstream periphery to see themselves in these images and to see themselves being represented. Mm. Um, and I think that it's, I, I know for myself, it's, it's a very rare experience to come across someone who has similar mannerisms to me or who even looks a bit like myself. Um, and so when I do, there's an almost immediate reaction of, I wanna get to know that person and I, I wanna, go and see if I can find more of myself in them. Um, so yes, I think creating a platform where people can see themselves represented and celebrated and glorified mm. and almost deified. <laughs> There's this, um, excuse me. <clears throat> There's this question from Susan. I'm gonna say Hapgood, um, which is also just such a wonderful collection of sounds. Hapgood, you know what I mean? I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> we at... <laughs> Um, we at uh, oh, ISCP are really looking forward to meeting you and engaging further. Can you talk about what you imagine New York will be like and whom you may be taking photos of? Um, so I, I've, 
I was in, I've been to New York and I was in New York for maybe like all of one day. Um, but yeah, so I'm actually, I still think I have my initial idea about what New York might be like. Mm. New York kind of feels as if, if there's one place where you can create something that the world will see, it feels as if New York is that space. And it also feels as if New York might be one of the, one of the few spaces in the world that fully embrace every type of identity. And mm. so I, I'm hoping that I will be able to find people who, who identify as being alien without it being too mm. extraterrestrial, but rather mm-hmm. in terms of their identity and um, their heritage and their lineage. And, and I think that I, I have a friend um, who is Native American and how they feel alien and the sense of disbelonging in America is incredibly profound and really interesting. And I, I think that navigating even that with people who have been there forever have become have gotten to a point where they feel alienated. So I'm giving you one, you know, rub of the genie. Um, I kind of wish that, could, that, that absolutely will absolutely happen, right? Um, not negotiated. One wish of if you, who in particular would you love to collaborate with? <laughs> and, and, um, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and I'll give you extra points if that person is from around New York. <laughs> but you don't from have to around New York. But, I, but I, I will give you points if they're from New York. Because now, you know, you're being intentional. Okay. You're putting it into the okay. universe. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, have, I have a bit of a funny story. I'm going to put this out into the universe. Okay. So okay. before Trevor Noah. Um, <laughs> 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 okay. This is, my, this is my claim to fame. Um, so, <laughs> so before Trevor Noah was um, the before Trevor Noah was the um, the host of the Daily Show, uh, he had he had a certain injury that that um, made it difficult for him to walk before one of his um, before one of his shows here in Cape Town, and I helped carry him up like a small flight of stairs. And at the top of the staircase, he said, I owe you one. And so now when I go to New York, <laughs> when I go to New York, I have like, he at least owes me a cup of coffee, I think. You know what I mean? I think I'm going to make that work. You know what I I'm mean? I'm not going to criticize it. I'm not going to call it out. But I got extra points for that. But to answer your question <laughs> about if there was someone that I'd like to collaborate with and someone who I'd like to make yeah. work um, or to like engage with, it would probably be um, Ib Kamara, who is who was current, who recently made the editor in chief of Days Magazine. Um, I think that his story is quite a profound one, and the work that he's doing to change uh, the direction of Days is um, really pertinent and inspiring. And as I was saying before about representation and seeing yourself exist in the media and allowing yourself to believe that who you are is enough. I think that it has to be, I think that I would almost like to blend the fi- like a fine art approach to identity with a more commercially viable space. And if we can, if we can blend what is commercially viable with what works as beautiful art, then I think we can get closer to representing people um, in a way that they feel seen. I hope you're reading the chat because I'm really, really inspired <laughs> from the good people at ISCP. It's just such a beautiful space. Um, there's this question here from Barack Seton. Yes. Um, and I think I, I really enjoy this question and I'm not sure how you're feeling, but it's, 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 it's such a, okay. Anyways, let me just read the question. Question. If you have time, um, as someone who has lived in and learned from two amazing countries, how would you like citizens of fellow African countries to see each other and move forward together? A follow-up question, and I think this is related. How would you like non-African countries to approach African citizens? 
<laughs> so, so perhaps, perhaps a way of, re- of framing this. Oh, you, this is you, like, feels like such an emotion, such an emotional question. You've um, been through many different countries, um, many times, especially around your work as well. Um, what has been your experience um, as an African in, you know, <laughs> no, Barack, it's completely fine. Um, you know, as an African in Europe, you know, you get that James Bald moment in Switzerland. Um, yes. I think, okay, experience? so to, to answer, to answer, to try and attempt to answer Barack's question, um, I think I would, I would like citizens of fellow African countries to treat each other, to see each other, and to act from a place of abundance. Mm-hmm. And I think that the way the world has, the way that history has happened, the, the sense of abundance that used to be here was one of the things, one of the first things to go. Mm-hmm. And I think that we're in, I think that we're in a space now where Where it's difficult to tr- where it's difficult to imagine there being an abundance again, and I think with I think trying to get back to a point where Africa was Africa before it was divided up and there was an abundance, and I think that we can get to a point where where we're seen because I think a lot of our stories are. They're all very similar, but also very, very unique. My, I, there are so many people who have fled Zim and come to South Africa. And so my story is not something new, but my story personally is unique. And to relate to people on that level is what I hope that mm-hmm. fellow African countries and citizens will allow the possibility for engagement around. Hmm. Yeah, I, but sure. We close it there. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I think um, um, one sure. of the things that really, that really kind of are going to stay with me, and I'm going to say it again, this notion of soft despite the journey. And I think about, do you mind if I put it up, um, part of the Stay Soft series while we, while we close here? Um. I think that's it. Ooh, oh no, I can't. I don't know what I've done. Um, okay. But it's, it's behind <laughs> you as well uh, on the wall on. Oh, this screen. image. Yes, yes. Um, and and hearing soft despite the journey, I think as a refrain from for me, um, is really something that I'm going to be taking home with me. Is something that I'm going to be putting in my back pocket, snuggling into my wallet. <laughs> <laughs> On this terrible thing. But thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Um, maybe it's a good opportunity to say thank you to um, 154 Art Fair. Um, thank, thank you. you to, thank you to the Ritzau Art Prize. Thank you to ISCP. <laughs> thank you to Olivia. Thank you to Tori. Thank you, Nell. <laughs> this has been. No, but really, thank you for. Special. Thank you for kind of really bringing yourself and opening yourself to us. Um, thank you for your generosity, I think. I think um, there's a way in which sometimes we, are, we, we take for granted the kinds of friendships we, we, we are allowed on our time on this planet, in this dimension. So thank you for your, for your friendship. Thank you for your artistry. Thank you for your practice in this world, for your abundance. You are an incredible- thank you, Noah. <laughs> I'm excited yeah. to go on this journey and I'm excited for you to be there with me. Um, and- Yes, I'm ex- and I think the most important thing that I, I think the biggest thing that I feel about having been selected as the recipient for the Ritzau Art Prize is that I feel seen and I feel as if the work that I'm doing sure. has a platform to be seen and to allow people who feel represented by the work that I make a space mm. to feel seen. And I think that feeling seen allows for mm. someone to reach incredible potentials. And I think that that is what I'm most grateful for. The Ritzau Art Prize for you, for my mother. And I think that it's all very special and coming together and I'm excited. 
Well, there we have it. The 20 to okay. 51. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Over it's out. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> um, this has been really wonderful. Cool. Well, enjoy your really evening. Um, and I'll see you soon, your, hopefully. Hopefully. Enjoy your evening yeah. to, our, to our guests um, and our friends who are online. Enjoy your afternoon, enjoy your morning, dependent on where you are. I hope. Thank you I so have, much. I have a heat, and that's why my jerseys are. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. Good night, Blue. <laughs> yeah. Bye.